You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Russell takes the snap, steps up in the pocket, looks, has time. Now he's going to throw. Tyler Lockett looks for the ball. He's got it. Touchdown, Seahawks! Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. The handoff inside to Carson, starts up the middle, now bounces it across the line. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks! Powered by Seahawks.com. We are, in fact, getting you ready for the Seahawks game against the Washington football team on Sunday. Jen Mueller alongside John Boyle, as always. John, was it pumpkin or pecan pie on Thanksgiving? A little bit of pumpkin, a little bit of apple. We kind of did two days of Thanksgiving because we we hung out with some friends. My wife made a really good, uh, it's like a honey sugar pie, essentially. Salted, it's like salted honey. It's like a salted honey, I think it's called. It's very delicious. It I'm going to look into that. It was quite that. the hit. I can, I'll get the recipe for you, Jen. Yes. Yeah, that would be great. I am definitely a pecan pie fan. That mm-hmm. is how you say it. It is not pecan. Not pecan. Um, and I made a pecan pie all for me. Wow. So, a girl. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, no that was my here. treat. Yeah. Okay. So, look, I, <laughs> it has not been a treat watching the Seahawks the last few weeks, right? We know that there have been some challenges and some struggles. It's a really uncharacteristic year for the Seahawks in just about every phase. But the things that we can count on, John Boyle, are guys like Quandre Diggs, Nick Ballore, and Michael Dixon, all of whom are getting a lot of votes in Pro Bowl voting, voting, and for good reason. Is it possible that Quandre Diggs is underrated despite the attention that he is getting in the voting? Yeah, I I would say that's fair. I think he's starting to get, I mean, he made the Pro Bowl for the first time last year, which is him kind of starting to get that recognition. But I still don't think, you know, maybe most people would put him, if you ask just a bunch of random football fans, you know, who are the elite safeties in the NFL, his name might not always come up, but he absolutely belongs. He's, He's just been a great player since he got here just really solidified that position. And as he kind of mentioned, I, I think maybe part of the reason he doesn't get the recognition, he mentioned this before, he's not been a free safety his whole career. When he was with the Lions, he moved around, he played some nickel. So being this full-time free safety role is fairly new to him. And look, let's face it, guys on winning teams get more attention, and he spent a lot of time on some losing teams before. So, you know, if if the Seahawks can get going again and win some games, I think he'll get more attention. But yeah, he's he's truly one of the best in the game. And the versatility, having to play multiple spots, whether it was corner or nickel or or anything else, has really made him a well-rounded safety. And I don't think Pete thinks that he is um, flying under the radar. I do think Pete believes he stands out every time he puts on the film. I think he, he shows who he is every time we go out. He shows that he's a, he's a terrific deep defender. He's an alley player that, that just shows up with such uh, style, you know, and there's only a couple guys in the league that, that play like he plays. Uh, his tackling has been excellent. Uh, his playmaking has been really good, and he continues to be, you know, it's obvious that he's a really good player. More than that, uh, you know, the, this isn't what the vote generates, but uh, his leadership for us and, and with our guys and keeping it together and running the show back there is really, is really apparent, and, and uh, uh, it's great that he's getting recognized. I like when Pete Carroll calls him an alley player, talking about the way he, you know, runs down and, and hits and fills the running lanes. It, it, for a guy his size, the physicality he plays with is just awesome. It's so fun to see those plays where it's like a toss to a running back or something like that, and somebody thinks they have some room to run, and then he just comes flying in, puts a huge hit on. 
Okay, well, it's not just Quandre. We also mentioned that Nick Ballore and Michael Dixon are on the list. They are getting a lot of votes. Michael Dixon, we don't talk about punters very much, John. And, and quite honestly, you probably don't want to be talking about punters <laughs> very much. But he's already got 27 punts inside the 20. That's first in the NFL. And he is eight away from breaking his own record in the course of a season. I don't know. I, I think I might pay more attention because I'm standing next to him on the sidelines. But that's a key piece to have on special teams between him and Nick Ballore, who's been spending a lot of time in the defensive meeting rooms, but he leads the team in special teams tackles. Yeah, I mean, he's picking up right where he left off in terms of special teams, all the tackles, the leadership, too. I mean, by its nature, special teams is going to be a young group. Usually it's a lot of those, you know draft picks, undrafted guys, young guys who aren't in the big starting roles. And he provides, you know, I think he's an 11-year veteran. He provides just really a lot of great leadership in that group and then also the playmaking ability. And with Dixon, I mean, we've talked so much about the defensive turnaround we've seen the second, you know, the last month or so this season. And he's been a big part of that too because you look at the field position in a lot of these games, teams are continually starting drives inside the 20 and that makes life a lot easier on defense when teams have to go 80 plus yards to try to get find the end zone. Yeah. And of course, you're going to want all the help that you can get this week, because if you look at the numbers, John, of the Washington football team, which every time I see the abbreviation WFT, I, I flip some of those letters around and I'm like, why? No, no idea what like? you mean. What, what acronym yeah. could that be? Yeah, well, you know, I just it catches me off guard. But look, even though this Washington football team has just one more win than the Seahawks, the numbers look really, really different. I mean, offensively, they've outgained Seattle by a significant amount. Their defense, even without some big names, has been playing well. And I hate to say it, but Seattle might be catching them at a bad time, especially when you think about the quarterback and what Pete Carroll has seen. Taylor Heineke is playing good. You know, he's playing good football for him. He's been real resourceful. Um, he's a good, he's obviously in charge of their offense and can throw all of the stuff they're asking him to throw, but he, he's, uh, he's run the ball 40 something times, you know, and he's got a good, good average there. He's uh, he, not just escaping on scrambles, but reading, you know, reading option opportunities and stuff like that. He does a good job. So he's a, he's a truly a double threat for, for us in that regard. And, and uh, you know, Antonio's a really good running back. Uh, Terry's a terrific receiver. You know, they've every, everywhere you look, they've got players that can do good stuff and they're, they're a little banged up too, you know, on the defensive side of the ball with a couple really highlighted players out, but they've played really well and, and, and adapted well already. So, you know, they, they, they just, they got their act together and they look like a good football team. As you mentioned, kind of catching them at a bad time. This is a team that had lost four in a row, looked like they might be kind of dead in the water. And then they bounce back, beat the defending champs, beat Carolina, another good team. And big reason they've done that is Heineke's playing a lot better. You look at that losing streak, I believe you had, six interceptions over those four games, none in the last two against four touchdowns. He's just been playing much better football, much better decision-making. His completion percentage the last two games has been 81% and 72%. So he's making good decisions. And as you, as Pete Carroll outlined there, he, he can get you with those legs too. He's just, he's been a really good player the last couple of weeks. Well, and perhaps most dangerously, he has got that team rallied around him. Yeah. Like they they are playing hard for him. And as you're reading everything coming out of Washington, they've called him gutsy. They talk about his swagger. And it's just, and I don't know if it's, you know, it's kind of not Rudy's situation, but you've got the backup coming in and, and he just brings this different vibe. But I think that might what 
that might be what makes him most dangerous is the fact that these guys are going to sell out. They're going to play hard for him. And, and that can make it really tough. And he's getting the ball out pretty fast, which does not bode well for a pass rush, John, that we haven't seen get home very much in the last few games. Yeah, I mean, Pete Carroll's asked a lot about the pass rush and some of the individual guys, how they're performing. And quite frankly, they were kind of lukewarm answers because the guys haven't been getting the production they want. That's not to say everyone's playing poorly. They've, they have faced a lot of teams that get rid of the ball quickly, which makes it harder. But Pete Carroll did say they, they might, you know, look at how they do things, change up some rotations, things like that, because they do need to get more production out of that pass rush if that defense is going to play up to its capabilities. Yeah, Daryl Taylor leads the team with four sacks, and that's just not enough. And it's not even like everybody else has four sacks. Carlos Dunlap has been one of those ones, a little bit of a surprise. We saw his his snaps drop last week, and as you pointed out, there could be some changes where he's on the field, even a little bit less this week. He's been a little quiet numbers wise, you know. You'd like to see the, um, you know, you would just like to see more, more production, you know. But uh, he's been consistent with his, with his, the, the way he brings it. You know, he's a power rusher, and he does break down the pocket and does give us some, you know, th- that push that we need. Um, unfortunately, you know, he j- just hasn't had the, the, whatever. Those guys are all you know, living and dying by the sacks, you know, and, and the numbers aren't there for him. Well, and we were talking too about the fact that Alton Robinson hasn't gotten a lot of snaps. That was part of that conversation with Pete. And so, John, when you talk about the rotations, I think we can expect to see Alton in there a little bit more and and maybe a little bit less of Carlos. Yeah, I mean, his snaps were down last week. We'll, we'll see how they do it. I mean, as Pete pointed out, he, he is affecting the game in other ways. He He's a player that can kind of collapse the pocket and either get a quarterback to rush a throw or create an opportunity for another pass rusher he bats down a decent number of balls because of his height. So it's not like he's been a non-factor, but to, as Pete said, look, those guys, they're defined by their sacks. They, you know, that's the number that really tells the story of their success in a lot of ways. And for him, and it's not just him, it's really everybody, but Daryl Taylor, the sacks have not been there. Yeah. Um, it, this is going to be a tough Washington team, whether you get to Heineke or not, they rush for a team total 190 yards against Carolina. Now I know that Seattle has not been tested that same way in the run game. It's been the screen passes that have been a real challenge, but uh, you're going to have to make sure that that ground game does not get going. And then of course you need to, to account for their wide receiver too, John. I mean, it's not like, yeah, again, you look at this team and you're like, I, maybe you could overlook them and you start diving into numbers and go, no, 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 no. Well, and when you're three and seven and let's face it, you can't really overlook anybody, but yeah, you're right. I mean, they don't, they don't jump off the page when you look at the schedule. It's like, oh, this really dangerous, sexy team with all these big names. And I think some of that is, can just come down to the quarterback play. You, The teams that tend to jump out are, you know, the teams with Aaron Rodgers or things like that. And, you know, they, they had to make a change of quarterback because injury. But as we've talked about, Heineke's playing well. They've done a lot of things really well these last two weeks and beaten two pretty good teams. Well, one really good team and a solid team in Carolina. So it's... Uh, yeah, it's Seahawks have their hands full this week if they're going to start right in the ship, which they know, you know, we've talked about this a bunch, but they're going to turn the season around. It's got to start ASAP. Well, and they're down at least one corner in Trey Brown, right? So you're going to have to make some changes there, and you are going to have to account for um, Terry McLaurin and the way that he can high point a ball. There are so many things that stand out. John, that's the thing, and we'll hear from Pete Carroll in just a second, but that's that was the big knock on him 
a couple of years ago is that he couldn't win the 50-50 ball. In fact, coming out of college, guys were like, yeah, he doesn't have the right position on things. That is not the case anymore. He he is dominating that. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a great receiver. He's just he's one of those guys that seems to do everything well. He gets a contested ball. He's a great route runner. He's got great hands. I mean, he's he's you know, maybe somewhat quietly because again, the Washington hasn't been like the big marquee team the last couple of years, but he's put himself right in the conversation with the elite receivers in the NFL. Yeah, let's hear what Pete Carroll had to say about that Washington wide receiver. He's really fast, so he's always got the kind of he's got the edge on on the opportunities. Always, uh, he's a really good athlete, really powerful, uh, explosive athlete. That gets off the ground really well, and and is he's real. You can see and feel the strength of him. You know, he doesn't get knocked around when he's going to play the ball, and so uh, um, they they know how to put the ball up to him and, and utilize him. He's just been he's been legitimately you know what people thought he would be coming out of the draft. You know, and he's a big time player. Yeah, so you'd like to keep him off the field as much as possible, which means the offense needs to stay on the field. John, that is really hard to do if they're only going to run 49 plays in a game, which is what happened last week against Arizona. That is the fewest number of plays the Seahawks have run this year. And I know that there's some third down stuff there, but when you look at this offense, what would be the easiest fix right now? I mean, it's whether whether we... We talk about fixing third down or just getting more first downs on first and second down. The easiest fix is just figuring out ways to get first downs because when you're you're getting quick, you know, whether it's three and out or one first down and then out, it you, you're just killing your defense too. And Pete Carroll keeps saying he won't use that as an excuse for the defense, and I understand that you don't you don't want to just say, oh, the defense has been out there for seventy plays, they're done for the day, and they're going to give up scores. They want to always get the stops, but that absolutely does take a toll on those guys. So. Yeah, this offense, you know, they just need to find ways to extend some drives, win on third down a little more, make third down easier so they're not facing these third and longs where the pass rush gets home and things like that. But, yeah, it's. I mean, I think they've only run 60 offensive plays, what, two games this season? That That's just not a way to win games and play good offense. Yeah, by comparison, if you're looking at the number of plays that opponents have run, it is consistently in the 70s. There's even been a game where they had 83 plays, right? So just as a point of comparison where the Seahawks are at, where their opponents are at, you mentioned the defense. I want to point out that since that game in Minnesota, the defense has been outstanding in limiting points per game and third down conversions, and yet they have been on the field a lot. Like, mm-hmm. I think that puts into context truly that there's a lot of talent there. You just got to get it together on the offensive side of things, which I guess it's just surprising when you see the talent out there that nothing looks as it should. Team meeting happens this week following the Arizona game. We know that Russell talked. We know that Bobby talked. We know that Dwayne Brown talked. What do you think they said? Like, what do, you, like what, do you, what do you think Dwayne Brown said to the offense, right? Yeah, you know, I would guess there's just a lot of talk about accountability and guys, you know, cleaning up the mistakes that are hurting them. And then also, I, I would, you know, again, this is just me speculating. I was not in the room. But I'm sure a lot of it's just talking about kind of what Bobby Wagner alluded to. Is the leaders got to believe, because if they don't, why should anyone else? And if... You, they got to kind of make sure that everybody is still on board and believes, you know, as Pete Carroll said, he's looking forward to seeing how a seven and no finish could affect things for this team. You know, the belief is still there despite kind of the long odds that we're looking at now with the three and seven start. So I, I would think that a lot of what those leaders are talking about is just the belief and making sure everyone believes that, Hey, you know, it starts this week, you go get a win and just get it rolling. 
I would also suspect that there was a conversation about maybe making sure that they were efficiently running the ball or running the ball more just based on some of the conversations that take place during the sidelines. It is interesting um, when you think about the leadership shown by Dwayne Brown because the numbers this year will show that it is not his best year. And he's very disappointed in it. But he is, as we mentioned with Carlos Dunlap, affecting games in other ways. As Pete pointed out, he is one of those voices that they need to hear in the locker room right now. Yeah, we did, we did have a ton of information about his character and his background. And, and uh, at a time when you know, it was kind of tumultuous coming out of there, um, uh, we, we felt like we really did know him. We were really hoping that he would be like, like he has been strong, great worker, and you know, great leader and just in his habits and his, his demeanor. Um, but he's got a great voice for us too, and we, we've relied on him for, for all of that. He really had, I think he had his best game he's played for us last week. And I think it's telling that Pete Carroll made that statement because, we're I mean, we were talking about he left the previous game with an injury, and there was some question really midweek whether he was going to be able to play or not. So for him to gut it out, you know, he, he's limited in practice every week just because they want to keep him fresh and make sure his knees are okay and all that. But for him to gut it out on limited practice with that injury and play against a really good Arizona front play, as Pete Carroll said, maybe his best game, that's a really encouraging sign both in terms of just, you know, if he can project forward and keep playing like that, that's big for the offense. But it also, it can affect everyone else of, you know, look, this guy's he's one of the oldest guys out here. He's playing through an injury and he's playing really well. So you guys can all, suck it up with whatever's bothering you and and get the job done because it's going to take everybody. I mean, obviously you need your stars to come through, but if, if this team's serious about trying to get hot and contend for a playoff spot, you're going to need big-time performances out of just about everybody. Also, if somebody that size tells me to suck it up, I'm probably going to do it. Yeah. Like, I'm fair. not not yeah. even going to argue. No. no, not at all. You go, yes, sir. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Yes, sir. I will do my best. Okay, John, look, we don't have any answers for what's happening on offense. The defense, we know, has turned the corner a little bit. They're going to need some help. I tell you what, why don't we just why don't we just go with the two things that we need to see Monday night if the Seahawks are going to get a win? What you got? I'm going to start with just the really obvious of just be better on third down. Let's get let's get up to 50 percent on third down. Get those possessions up, you know, the number of plays, the time of possession, that not only is going to obviously help the offense do more and maybe score more, but take a little burden off the defense. Secondly, this is not a real concrete thing, but I just I want to see somebody in a CX uniform make a huge play late in a game. I was just talking with our producer, NASA, about this. Every time Ron Rivera and Pete Carroll teams play each other, just about every time, it comes down to the wire. Somebody has to make a play, whether you're talking about a sack to close it out like last year, Carlos Dunlap and Collier had sacks. You know, you go back to Greg Olson catching a touchdown pass to win it for Carolina, Earl Thomas forcing a fumble in Carolina. Just it seems like every game's been down to the wire and somebody makes a huge standout play. So let's have the Seahawks be on the right end of that big fourth quarter play. Well, and I will point out that Ron Rivera against the Seahawks has come out on the losing side of that most of the time. He's just one in seven against the Seahawks. So I like where you're going with that. I also have a fourth quarter ask for the Seahawks, and that is I'd like to see the defense not give up any points in the fourth quarter. They have given up 106 points this season in the fourth quarter. They have allowed points in every fourth quarter of the game. Now, I think some of that is fatigue, but also if you can keep Washington off the board in the fourth quarter, that would make things a whole lot easier, and maybe it wouldn't have to come down to that big final play. But in order to do that, here's my number. 
Seahawks, they have to run more plays, right? I'd love mm-hmm. to see them run at least 64 plays. That's the most that they have run that came in the game at Pittsburgh. I'd like to see them like find a rhythm um, and just run more plays so they can stay on the field. Absolutely. I'd like to, what I'm saying is I'd like to hang out with the offense a lot less this game. Yeah. I don't mind hanging out with Michael Dixon at all. Like he can just stand next to me the whole time. Yeah. Let's let him be bored. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Boring game. Boring. That's our mantra this week. Make it boring. Make it good. Make it boring. Can we go with that? Yep. NASA's not entertained by us at all anymore, which means the audience might not be either. This is a great time to close it out. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with you next week. Mm-hmm.